Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. And this is our much predicted 2023 Real Estate Predictions podcast. Over the next three shows, we're going to be give you uh, 15 different predictions that Julie and I have been working on. And yes, we do wait until the year starts to give you new predictions because frankly, we wait to see what everyone else is predicting. And as always, as for the past, you know, 10, 12 years, we've been doing this series of uh, predictions, podcasts, and you know, webinars and whatnot, everyone pretty much repeats the same bad information. And uh, what we've done is we've taken what they have said, we've really drilled down on everything that they're saying and they're projecting, and we are going to, in some cases, in many cases, frankly, not agree with the predictions that a lot of you have been perhaps led to believe is going to happen in this year's housing market. So without any further delay, Julie, point number one or prediction number one. Number one is inflation has likely peaked. It is currently at 7.1%, down from 9.1% last year. The Consumer Price Index, known as the CPI, rose by 6.5% last month, year over year. This was the smallest 12-month increase since the fourth quarter of 2021. As a result, inflation slowed for the sixth straight month. We can skip all that. So Julie put a whole bunch of anecdotal information about the different prices of consumer goods. But you guys are experiencing this as well. You're seeing when you go grocery shopping, a lot of the prices have started to drop. Now, here's the thing with inflation. You've got to be really clear about what effect this has on real estate values because it's relevant to the next few points. Inflation acts and feels much like appreciation. So when you hear about inflation rates being at 7.1% or 9.1%, you got to remember that housing oftentimes, by the way, is inflating or is appreciated. Again, a lot of agents will use those words interchangeably at even a higher rate. So we've seen over the last two years in most markets, inflation or appreciation as little as 25%. So what were they expecting to have happen this year with the inflation rate with regards to housing is that the inflation rate's going to be, I don't know how much you address this, but mm -hmm. closer to 5% for the country. So we're still seeing what is really, frankly, amazing appreciation or inflation for home values. And some markets will be significantly more and some will be marginally less. Just uh, putting this into perspective, for the longest time, decades, uh, the inflation rate or appreciation rate in homes has only barely been 2%. So, you know, frankly... Keeping it in perspective, keeping right? Keeping it in perspective. If you bought a house five years ago, you did win the real estate lottery. All right, Julie, prediction number two. Number two, rental demand will remain high and rents will continue to increase. Monthly rental price increases are still happening, but at a slower percentage of increase. The higher mortgage rates have affected first-time buyers and low-down payment buyers first, thus fueling the continued demand for rentals. Now, why is that important? We've seen, again, rental prices increase by 25% in the last 24 months. And you're going to discover a lot of these renters are starting to wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I'm paying this much money per month and I'm getting really you know, beyond a place to live, really no financial benefit from 
paying this high rent. And that is quickly going to help them understand and accept that maybe a 5.5% interest rate isn't really all that bad. Well, when compared to 100% interest, you pay as a renter, right? That's right. And that is a way to think of it. When you're talking to first-time buyers that are on the fence about purchasing a house or thinking they're just going to wait the market out or waiting, and we're going to address all these points, uh, all these other concerns and normal, I think, objections that you guys are getting in our next few predictions. But all these normal reasons why people decide to procrastinate purchasing a home. Mm -hmm. Well, here's an interesting thought. Now is the best time to buy a home in probably at least the next five years. Why? Go back to prediction number one with regards to the inflation rate. Uh, again, I'm, I'm using appreciation just so you guys can more easily understand what the you know really connotation of the word means. But at the end of the day, if you wait uh, five years, and let's say the house that you would have otherwise bought was $400,000. In five years, it's going to go up by what? Let's just say, use the more moderate numbers that people are predicting. 5% uh, this year. Then it's 5% the following year. 5% the following year. And then after five years, the house is now worth over $500,000. Whereas if you'd been renting for whatever the rental amount was, say $2,000 a month, over the same amount of time, you've now basically lost $100,000. You guys get the point? It's not really that difficult to figure out what makes more sense. And that's assuming the inflation rate or the, again, in brackets, appreciation rate is uh, at a very moderate 5%. Now, it's important to understand, guys, in predicting the inflation rate is almost impossible. Um, but what we can do in, in the real estate markets, it's actually far easier. And Jill, you told me an interesting article you read where you were uh, describing the fact that housing is almost not even – it's operating on its own sort of financial ecosystem mm -hmm. separate from the economy. You remember Yes, that? it's essentially decoupled itself from the intentions of the Fed and is doing what it's going to do in spite of their intentions to control it. Because the large macro trends with essentially demographics and yes. aging baby boomers and millennials, those have a lot more to do than what the Fed can tinker with. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. And even with regards to our first point about inflation, you know, that is a, a very uh, common and salacious headline. Inflation is so high and prices are so high. And oh my gosh, the cost of eggs are up by 49%, which is true, but not because of inflation, because of a bird flu, which people don't talk about. But the inflation is the story. Now, what they don't talk about, and which I read a lot about, is the fact fact that as a consumer, which we all are, we can control a lot of the impact of inflation based on our purchasing practices. You know, you don't have to buy eggs this week. You could buy something else, right? So that comes down to the control that you have. And you really have to look at all of these points from both sides. Speaking of control, one thing you can do right now to have a great sense of control as you roll in more into this new year is join Premier Coaching. And all you have to do is text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to premiercoaching.com. What is Premier Coaching? Well, there's a video that's waiting for you to watch of Julie and I talking about premier coaching and a whole bunch of, you know, obviously a, a, a landing page that describes everything that's included. But the two things I want you to focus in on the most and the things I want you to essentially embrace the quickest as soon as you join, definitely schedule yourself for your daily live semi-private coaching call. Get that in your schedule right away because then you can be with you, you know, on a video with the coach having your questions answered, moving you forward. Number two is get your real estate treasure map done. That's your fill in the blank business and life plan. But there's so much else that's involved with um, what you get when you join Premier Coaching. You can join right now for free. Do not delay. 
Just text the word Premier. Uh, it's P-R-E-M-I-E-R to 47372 or just go to com. Remember when texting message and data rates may apply. Our prediction number three, Julie Harris. Number three, interest rates are expected to normalize. Here's a quote from a Bob Brooksmith, Mortgage Bankers Association president. He said, quote, the mortgage market began 2023 on a positive note with a decline in mortgage rates leading to an uptick of refinances. Purchase activity was down again on a weekly and annual basis. Uh, let's see, he said in a statement. Now, he also stated that the MBA expects mortgage rates to steadily move lower in 2023, bringing more buyers back to the market. He expects the 30-year fixed rate to be around 5.2% by the end of the year. Again, keeping things in perspective. Remember what I just said, 5.2% by the end of the year. Tad Dalkey, who runs the California-based mortgage training uh, business, wrote in a commentary to clients, the average mortgage rate has been, average has been 7.38 in the past 40 years, 4.5 over 20 years, 3.3 in the last three years. So when you take all that together, 5.2 is still below the 40-year average and does feel pretty good after peaking over 7% last year. And I know you're going to talk about this on tomorrow's podcast as point number one, but we really want you to pay very close attention to that for, uh, uh, first point tomorrow because it really has to do with the, uh, a lot of predictions out there that there's going to be a real estate housing crash. We're going to really drill down on that as the first point on tomorrow's show, but pay very close attention to that because the disinformation or the straight up lying that's happening now around the idea that real estate values are going to pro, uh, you know, crash and there's going to be all of a sudden some sort of return of 2007 and 2008, it's screwing up a lot of agents thinking about the potential for this market. Remember, guys, the greatest fortunes of everybody has always been made during the greatest times of change. And we're in one of those greatest times of change now. But the reality of it is there is no crash. And anyone who's telling you that, where you were listening to another podcast and what did that economist say? Anyone that's predicting there's a housing crash? Uh, either is in misinformed or does know but doesn't want you to know. Either one is bad and you shouldn't listen to them. And that's the economist for um, Housing Wire, Logan Montashami. And that's the same uh, Housing Wire that Julie writes articles for. Yep. So there you go. All right. Uh, prediction number four. Yes. Number four, there will be more creative mortgages and those are becoming normal as well. So for example, a buy down mortgage allows buyers to have a lower rate initially, which both qualifies them for more home and keeps their payment lower for the first few years of the loan. Now there's different types of buy downs, a one buy, a one O buy down. The buyer has a 1% reduction in the interest rate during the first year of the loan. There's a 2-1 buy down. These all have a pattern you'll see. The buyer has a 2% reduction in the interest rate during the first year and then 1% for the second year. You can do a 3-2-1 that has the same uh, pattern, 3% reduction in year one, 2% year two, and 1% in year three. Now, that does not come for free. Once the rate adjusts, the buyer then has a higher rate locked in, but they can, of course, refinance or sell in the meantime if necessary. And the upfront cost of the rate buy-down can be paid by the seller if negotiated into the contract. Now, those in combination are two things that we didn't see in the previous hot seller's market. The ability for a buyer to negotiate at all on something like this, and really the existence of this type of a loan. So you put those two together and you end up with an affordable mortgage. Now, here's the challenge you're going to have. The loan officer you're working with, do they know how to do creative financing? Chances are they do not. 
because they have essentially just been feasting on the refinance, you know, gravy train forever. And that has come to an end. And by the way, there will be another refinance gravy train that's going to start as soon as rates stabilize in the low 5% because there were a lot of people that took out mortgages in the first half of 2022, which will be refinancing. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who are predicting that there's going to be some sort of big, you know, housing crash specifically for those mortgages that were done in the first half of 2022. Did you forget that they could refinance? Did you forget that they could get lower rates? <laughs> anyway, I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to shed it's on okay. your future. You know, talk too much. Shed too much light on your next, uh, your first point of tomorrow. But yeah, you guys have to go back to the first point that I was mentioning. Learn to be your own guru. Learn to be your own local market expert because the things that you hear on the headlines. Um, I was uh, scanning CNBC the other day. And it was a Diana Olick headline. And like all Diana Olick uh, stories, she does the article's great. The, the mm-hmm. headline is obviously not written by her. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So she writes this article, yeah. and I guarantee you that what they're doing is they're A B testing different uh, subject mm-hmm. headlines, seeing which one gets the best response and whichever one is the most salacious. That essentially, if you just scan it, it's going to lead you to believe there's some sort of housing apocalypse on the horizon. That's the one they go with. And then you read the article and it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I know. It's it, very misleading. Right. I mean, when you guys, again, I had this little, somebody was um, not understanding, uh, got, being confused by some of these headlines on Instagram. Like you know, Julie and I put up a, post, a podcast link and we were talking about these points and he started sort of jabbing us, suggesting that we are essentially, uh, you know, just working on behalf of National Association of Realtors reading off their talking points. Well, okay. In a lot of cases... NARS talking points are actually really good and valid. So maybe you should be listening to those. But the moral of the story was, as he was saying, look at all of these. And he rattled off a bunch of, and he'd done his homework. He was trying to think through it. He said, uh, look at all these cities where there have been uh, all these drops in, in prices. And he, in this Instagram post, or his YouTube, I think, he did, I think there's 50 different cities where there were some cases, uh, you know, pretty significant drops in prices. But where he was confused was he didn't realize those were drops in asking prices, not drops in what they sold for previously. Like, for example, back in 2007, you had problems that were selling for less than the people paid for them, right? So someone bought something in 2005 or 2006 for $500,000, and now it was worth $300,000. Not just less than what they paid, but less than what they owed as well. That's right. And that is not happening now. So when you see these salacious headlines, like what they were doing in that Diana Olick article, Mm -hmm. they're talking about reducing prices. Who cares? (laughs) I mean, good God. Pay attention to sold comps. Who cares if they reduce the prices? Reducing prices just means the sellers are having to, you know, breathe a little bit less hopium with regards right. to pricing their properties. It doesn't mean that it's the first stage in a housing crisis. Why? Because, guys, and I'm summarizing here, this is, these aren't the exact numbers, of all the homes in the United States, half of them have no mortgage. The other half with mortgages have mortgages less than like 3.5%. And even then, they have uh, on average something like 50% equity in their homes. And I know my numbers aren't exactly right, but that is pretty damn close. Real close. So yeah. That is not the recipe for a housing crash, guys. I'm just, it just isn't. Um, so if you're expecting, why is that important? Because if you think there's going to be a housing crash and your buyers are worried about catching a falling knife with regards to home prices, and you believe that's true as well, you're not, be, you're not going to be very successful selling real estate because you're an ethical, honest, moral person, and you're not going to be wanting to tell someone to buy something or lose money on it as far as the house goes, right? 
I mean, so if you believe misinformation, you're not go you're going to fail at selling real estate. You have to have the correct information so you can counsel people accordingly. Now, if you happen to be one of the people that bought a house in the first six months of 2022, and let's say you are at par in your house, or maybe even the house is worth less than you paid for it, I have a little advanced coaching for all of you, or frankly, for all of your real estate practitioners to you know advise your uh, clients who are in that situation. And I'm thinking of all of you in the Bay Area and San Francisco and all these other areas around the country. Wait, there you go. Hold the house for another year. Let inflation work for you and you'll be right as rain. That's not the way it was in 2007. Not at all. Okay. So, and more on that uh, on tomorrow in the next day's podcast. So point number five, our final point for today, there could be a credit crisis. That's sort of a half prediction, I'd say. Now, why is this? The average interest rate on consumer debt right now is running at 19.1%. That's a lot of interest. Now, if inflation ramps back up or unemployment increases significantly, usually those are tied together, consumers may default on credit cards. Now, that would be bad for housing since potential buyers would have their credit scores affected as well as their ratios as a result of carrying more debt. I put this down as something to watch. Now, economists would argue that people that would be most affected by that who would default on their consumer debt and have their credit wrecked and their ratios and all the rest, probably were not buyers anyway. So the impact of that is a little bit in question. I put it down as something to watch. So another interesting, uh, again, Julie and I are, have spent a lot of time, really the last two years, studying all this so we could, frankly, do a really good job of explaining it all to you. We didn't completely understand the effects of in, uh, inflation. And that's the reason, frankly, we find some of this interesting. Uh, but there's a lot of other people that maybe 10 minutes ago started doing their research on the effects of inflation. So they have a lot of learning up to do. Here's really where we learned a lot. When you look at the inflation, the last time it was similar to this was in the like 1970s to the early 1980s. And in, those, in that time frame, the inflation rate are, was close to 20%. In some, and also what happened was when Reagan got elected, Paul Volcker was given free reign to do whatever the heck he had to do. He was the head of the Fed, and he was given free reign to raise interest rates to whatever he wanted to raise interest rates were. Now, for those of you who, you're, who are economist wonks, I don't remember these exact numbers. So the inflation rate was close to 20%. The interest rate was then risen to close to 20%. And guess what that did? It trashed the economy, caused massive unemployment. And yes, indeed, it did slow the economy down. Quite yep, a bit. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. But people still transacted. People still were buying and selling homes. People were still buying and selling stuff, but it slowed things down to the point where essentially the inflation rate started to drop. Can that happen this time? Hypothetically, yes, but most definitely no. And here's why. Back then, the amount of national debt was nothing compared to now. I researched this yesterday. $32 trillion in national debt. And most of the national debt, that's debt that the country, United States owes to essentially let's call them debtors, right? Or, I'm sorry, to lenders. I know and that's oversimplifying it, but that is the way to understand it. So we owe $32 trillion to all these different borrowers, all these different um, investors in essence. And that interest rate on those loans are almost always short term, five years or less. So if we raise the interest rate, if the Fed raises the rate, what they're actually doing also is they're raising the rate that they have to pay on money that they borrow, which I know sounds convoluted, but that's, again, an oversimplification, but that's how it works. So if the Fed raises rates by, I, I'll, I'll do this homework uh, prior to the, you know, before the end of the week, but if the Fed raises rates 
effectively by another even like half point or a point, the amount of money that's going to be going to the interest payments on the national debt will force the United States and the federal government to start pulling back on entitlements, Social Security, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, all these different things, even you know, military spending. So the probability of anything like what happened in the early 80s, where Volcker raised rates close to 20%, the probability of that happening now is about zero for the reason I just stated. Now, what's fascinating to me is with the exception of a couple people, nobody's actually talking about that. So with these people that are predicting interest rates are going to go up and up and up and up and it's going to be real estate Armageddon, what's their motivation, right? Why are people so motivated to want to believe that there's going to be a housing crash? Why are people so motivated to believe that there's going to be, frankly, all these people that are going to be wiped out financially from, you know, home values dropping like in 07 through 09? I honestly don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think it's very tempting for people who maybe don't do the deep dive into what's actually happening. And, you know, to Logan's point from house, Housing Wire is you have to use modern trends to try to make your predictions and not just say, oh, well, this time's going to be just like that time. I saw this happen back in 06, so it must be happening again. Well, that's very short-sighted because the elements, and we have a deep dive drill down coming on a future podcast on that. But that that's very short-sighted and ignorant of the facts. So yes, I think that the parameters you you were talking about, you know, the self-inflicted Fed raising its own rates, well, that is not like it used to be, right? It's completely different. So let's do point number five. What That was what we just did. There could be a credit crisis, something to watch. And again, it may or may not affect you, but it's something to keep an eye on. So I think it's ready. we're ready to wrap for today. And we are. And we'll be back tomorrow. All right. The point number one for tomorrow will certainly be something I think that will open a lot of eyes. Yes. And we're hoping what you're taking away from this podcast uh, series that we're doing is optimism. And you, we're doing our best to counterbalance all the negativity that's out there. I don't even like the word optimism and negativity with regards to mm -hmm. this. How about this? Truth and lies. I mean... Well, yes. And also a large amount of self-observation of what's actually going on. You know, there's a difference between headlines. Oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end because, you know, maybe this is like last time versus what you see for yourself on your day-to-day -day practice. Julie, to me, um, when you and I do occasionally lift our heads out of our, you know, our dugout and we look to see what's going on in these news headlines and I see all this negative stuff that's out there, I am honestly suspicious what the motivation is. And I said this a second ago, but it almost, I don't want to sound like a conspiratorial, you know, conspiracy theorist, but it feels like to me, like there are a lot of people that are uh, betting on and have financial gain from some kind of, you know, housing cra crash sure. or correction. And, and some of these people are feel, they are, they're the ones that feel like they got left out. Yes, there, absolutely. There are a lot of people that feel like the real estate train uh, never stopped at their station and they never got an opportunity to mm -hmm. buy a house. And they're hoping that somehow the future is going to create an opportunity for them. And in their minds, that means that, you know, somehow there's going to have to be a price correction. I don't know. But other, other cases, what's happening is it's actually a little bit more interesting than that. And I told you guys a story last year, but if you're new to listeners, I'll share this with you. There was a video that was going around early last year, and it was a really well done video. It looked like something you know, like I don't even know. Looked like a like a movie trailer, high production quality. Yeah, right? really very eye catching. Some good music behind it, kind of interesting, action packed, yeah. believable. That's what it was, believable. Um, you know, locusts chasing you know <laughs> penguins, and I mean it was crazy. Armageddon. -y. Anyway, anyway, it was basically trying to t let everyone believe that there was a housing crash that was about to happen and there was going to be blood on the streets and, you know, chaos, chaos. Well, I thought that was fascinating because it was so riddled with, frankly, BS. And I wanted to find out who actually created the video. 
And it took me probably three or four clicking and some web sleuthing to find out who the actual originator of the content was. Wait for it, wait for it. It was someone trying to sell survivalist uh, food supplies. So I'm not making that up. It was someone, it was a large company that had created this video to try to essentially make people feel fear and panic, not just in you know the, the real estate industry, but in, in general, to the point where they wanted to think they needed to all become preppers. And that's what it was. By the way, prepping, to some extent, a good idea, especially if you live where we live in Puerto Rico. Yes, not saying that that's a bad thing. Yeah. But following the breadcrumbs, it wasn't what it looked like when you were actually watching the video. That's, again, that's the interesting takeaway. So when you're ingesting information, even if it's from a air quotes here, guys, reputable source, you got to assume that there's an agenda afoot. All these major media companies, not trying to sound like, a again, some sort of, you know, conspiracy theorist, but all of them have their advertisers and all of them have money that, you know, is being spent with them to have particular opinions. Look at all the, uh, essentially, crypto. Look how much crypto dominated the news channels. What happened to all the crypto ads? Hmm. And now what are the news guys talking about? They're crapping on crypto. You know? <laughs> That's right. Whereas six months ago, or maybe now 12 months ago, crypto is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You have to be a skeptic. You have to be suspicious. And when it comes to real estate, you have to know your local market. And your MLS is going to provide the best resource ever for actual market trends. And I know we didn't talk about this, but Julie, in the next like minute or two, mm-hmm. um, we teach our coaches to teach all of our clients to really deep dive into the MLS. What types of statistics should they be looking for as you know, essentially future indicators of the real estate market to come? Yes, that's a great question. So you can find all this on your MLS hot sheets, which you should be looking at daily, maybe take you five minutes to do this. You're going to look at what are the new listings and in what price ranges. You're going to say, I I look at it as what's hot and what's not. What is actually selling? Is there a hot zip code, a hot price range, a hot maybe golf course community or a building? So what's hot and what's not? Price reductions, average days on the market, and list to sell price ratio. Taking that, for example, a lot of headlines, prices are coming down, prices are falling, blah, blah, blah. So the average price reduction was $4,000. In the country. In the country, (laughs) which in some cases is less than maybe a quarter percent or something of the purchase price. So yeah, you've got to actually, okay, so maybe there were a lot of price reductions in your MLS today. But how, you know, were they big price reductions? Were they the first price reduction? Did it sell immediately once somebody saw that reduction? So you've got to really keep your head screwed on straight and know your own market best. And I really am a big proponent of watching that hot sheet daily. All right. So point number one is going to be our first point, obviously, of tomorrow's show. In the meantime, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who are subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals. Guys, no matter what, we are always going to be practical and tactical, always going to give you the information to put you into action. Um, We're not going to, you know, essentially give you guys a lot of fluff. We're not going to be telling you the latest, you know, whiz bang, shiny object ideas. Julie and I are here to give you the cold, hard facts about what you have to do now to help people and make a lot of money because of this market. It's up to you to use this information. Again, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Um, and if you'd like to message us, please do it over on Instagram. We're at Tim and Julie Harris and just send us a message there. You could also, you know, obviously um, put comments in on uh, our YouTube videos. However you want to communicate with us, it is fantastic. We love hearing from you guys. And Julie, we're working on another fun podcast that we think we're going to do mm-hmm. in three days on Chat GPT. Yes, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, me too. All right, guys, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.